Well, we are going to begin a series today called The Leader Worth Following. And each year, there are thousands of books and podcasts that are put out on the subject of leadership. And apparently, there's like thousands and thousands of secrets that we don't know about that we need someone to write a book about. And, but despite all the huge amount of books and podcasts that are produced each year, there are continual complaints. Everything from churches to large organizations, they all say the same thing. We don't have enough leadership. Every organization is crying out for great leaders, for healthy leaders, for leaders who make a difference. Everything from churches to public schools to sports teams to colleges Now, part of the crisis of leadership is not just a shortage of good leaders, but there is an abundance of bad leaders, dangerous leaders, abusive leaders, leaders that hurt other people. Bad leadership is everywhere. Uh, We see it in the church. I'm reminded of all the scandals on a regular basis from pastors and priests, either their sexual scandals or impropriety when it comes to using money or spending money. Uh, We see it in the end, but it's not just in the church. It's everywhere. We see it in the endless amount of scandals when we think of Hollywood executives or we think of college football coaches or a national politician. No one is able to distinguish what is the truth and what is a lie. No one knows how to tell the truth in these situations. No one seems to have any control over groping another person or misusing money or unfortunately using their power in a disproportionate way to hurt someone that they lead. Now, fortunately, not every leader is bad, malicious, or dangerous. There are lots of great leaders out there. And you and you and me, we are the product of somewhere along the line, there's been some great leader in our life that's helped us along. So the question is this, and this is an important question. What kind of a leader are you becoming? Because everybody is a leader. You may not feel like a leader. You're like, oh, I'm at the bottom totem pole in my job, or I'm the youngest child. That's not true. You lead somebody. Everybody leads somebody. Whether you lead a family member, whether you're a parent and you have a child, you, some of you might actually manage to have a little bit of responsibility at work. There's some, or maybe even a social circle, you're perceived as the leader. Everyone is a leader, so in some way or another. So the question is, what kind of a leader are you becoming? The harsh reality is, nobody wakes up in the morning. And you wake up, your alarm on your phone goes off, you hit it, but you don't really shut it off. So it goes off 10 minutes after because you don't know how to shut off your alarm. And you're like, ah, oh, I want to wake up today and I'm going to hurt some people. I'm going to just be a terrible human being. I'm going to lead people off a cliff. That's what I'm going to do today. No one ever says that. Just think of the worst leaders in your life. Hopefully it's not me. Just think of the other worst leaders in your life. No one ever says that. And the problem is the bad leaders emerge over time and when they're not in tune with what's really going on in their hearts and in their lives. And bad leaders don't emerge overnight. And so what this means is we are left with a choice. Either we can face the reality that we must choose to become great leaders or we can simply not to choose to do anything at all and allow this kind of choice to turn us into the kind of leaders that aren't so good. And to ignore this reality is to choose to become a bad leader or worse, an indifferent leader. And let's be honest, nobody wants to follow 
an indifferent leader. No one wants to do it. So today, we are starting a brand new series. It's called The Leader Worth Following. And what we want to do is take a look at the Bible at different points in, the, in Scripture. And we want to take a look at the life of Jesus. And we want to understand what he was meaning when he was talking about leading others. And what the Bible says about leadership. And what we will discover is that Jesus is a leader who's worth following. And what we will also discover is, is that you have, with the power of Jesus, what it takes to become a leader who's worth following. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, I'm going to invite God's presence, and then we're going to dive into the Bible and take a look at a few uh, ideas that I've jotted down for you. Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what happened last Easter here at this church. We thank you for all the new faces we met. We thank you for the fun party. We thank you for the people that gave their lives to you, that committed to follow you. And we just say, we are so grateful for what you're building in us. And God, I ask that the reality of your spirit, the power of your spirit would be felt in this room today, that we would know that you're working, God, and that you would lead us to become the leaders that are worth following. I ask that you would help me to speak as I should, guide my words, guide what I'm supposed to say, help lead me away from the things I'm not supposed to say. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some up here, but you can follow along on the screen or you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. That's a great way, great thing to have all along the way. And what we're going to read is that Jesus makes a statement in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, when it comes to shepherds, about the only time that we think about shepherds is during the Christmas, Christmas pageants. You know what I'm saying? There's the three shepherds and they're all like, oh, Jesus, little baby Jesus. That's the only time we really think about shepherds. So when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, we don't really know what that means. We're not really clear on what that means. Now, what we understand from the Bible and what we understand from God is that God uses the metaphor of shepherd to speak to us about leadership. Leadership. It's not a metaphor about a cuddly little lamb and some like guy and some blanket is like, here, little lamb, have the milk. It is a metaphor about leadership, strong leadership. Now, the book in the Bible that we we're going to look at, like I just mentioned, is the book of John. It's a very Jewish book. And in John 10, we read of it in verse uh, 22, that there is something called the Feast of Dedication. Uh, that's held during the winter. Now, the Feast of Dedication, you might know this more commonly known as Hanukkah. Uh, and in Hanukkah, we learn the story of compromising leaders. We learn the story of accommodating leaders. We learn about leaders who simply drift along with the culture. And it tells us about zealous leaders, zealous leaders who stood up for the truth and what was right. And there was leaders by the name of uh, Judas Maccabeus, Judas the Hammer. Uh, and basically what they did is the zealous leaders, they threw out the Greeks they out of the temple, they threw them out of the country, they cleansed the temple, they rededicated it to the Lord's use. Uh, that's why Hanukkah is called the Feast of Dedication. The temple was rededicated to the Lord and his work there. And so we see during the week of Hanukkah, uh, Jews in the synagogue, they would read different texts, including some of those from places like Ezekiel 34, which is found in the Bible. And the Lord commands Ezekiel the prophet to prophesy Against what? He says they prophesy against false shepherds and wicked shepherds and shepherds who fleece the sheep. Hanukkah 
is all about leadership. It's about bad leaders and it's about good leaders. And it was out of this context of talking about leaders and shepherds that Jesus, a bunch of years later, he stands up in a temple in front of everybody and he says, I am the good shepherd. Everyone in Jesus' time was talking about leaders. We need more leaders. We need healthier leaders. We don't need accommodating leaders. We need zealous, strong leaders. We need fiery leaders. We need courageous leaders. We need more leaders. And nothing's changed. We still need leaders today. So what we feel in our culture today is exactly what they felt at this time when Jesus stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. If you want a good leader, follow me. So, let's talk about this. What makes Jesus a great leader? We're going to take a look at some passages in the Bible. And here's what it says in John chapter 10, verses 1. You can follow along on the screen. It says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Okay, so in the Middle East. People have observed, to this day, people have observed something amazing that happens. And one of the amazing things that happens is that there will be a bunch of sheep that are mixed with other sheep. So different sheep from different tribes of, uh, or different shepherds over them, they'll all be mixed together in a big pasture. And what will happen is that one Shepherd will get up and he'll start calling his sheep by name. Sometimes he'll play a little flute, dealy dealy do, and it and the sheep will pop up. First the first one, and then the second one, and then the third one, and then the other shepherds will be calling their sheep by name. And the most amazing thing happens: the sheep will begin to separate and go to their particular shepherd without any problem or without any issue. They immediately uh, start to follow the shepherd. And Jesus says this. This is what he's talking about when he says this in John ten three. He says, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Sheep actually follow their shepherd's voice. That's actually something that happens. So now, one of the questions that we should all ask uh, when we're about to follow a leader or considering following a leader is, will I be respected by this person? Will I be appreciated? And this is something, if you have the little insert, you can, hand, uh, you can actually follow along with me there. Will I be appreciated? Will I be, uh, well, no, will I be respected and will I be appreciated? You see, with bad leadership, you're just a cog in the machine of someone else's grand idea, someone else's big idea. They don't care about you. They don't care about who you are. They don't care about how you're shaped or how your talents are, whatever those are. They don't even care. All they care about is putting a warm body to fit their big grand plans. But Jesus' leadership is so different. 
He is so personal. Look at what we read in verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus is a great leader because there is an intimacy, a relationship, a life on life between Jesus and those who follow him. Now, I can't be that kind of leader for everybody. I can be that leader for a few people, but Jesus can actually be that leader for as many people who give their lives to him. Jesus' leadership was great because great leadership is intimate. Great leaders, they know the characteristics of those who are following them. And they like shape their leadership according to the needs and the abilities of the people that, are, that they're working with. Uh, they, they, they see that it's a not a one-size-fits-all kind of leadership for everyone. They work with people. Great leaders respect individuality. They appreciate the follower. Now, here's the secret, by the way, for great parenting. If, um, uh, you, know, if you uh, want to be a parent or you're already a parent, parents, uh, you should parent your children according to your child's needs, according to their temperament, according to the child's strengths and, and being aware of their weaknesses. Parents, do you know your child intimately? Do you work to communicate in a way that your child understands? Uh, do you know what motivates them or demotivates them? Would you be accurate? Would you be able to accurately fill out a personality test for your child? Now the same, here's another secret. This is the secret to a loving marriage. Marriage, uh, there's a very popular book uh, by Gary Chapman. Maybe you've read it. It's called The Five Love Languages, uh, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. And this book has sold over 2 million copies. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of love language stuff. And some marriage partners, they need different things. And what this book does is it helps make sense of the fact that we're not all the same. Some people need words spoken to them that communicate love. They need words of affirmation. Some spouses, they don't need you to tell them they love them. They need your quality time. There's other spouses who need to receive gifts. Like, don't just tell me you love me. Put a ring on my finger. Jeez Louise. Some, some people are looking for practical service. Do not take me to a fancy restaurant. Go clean the tub. That will show you. That will show me that you love me. And then when you clean the dishes, don't half do the dirty pan. Just like really just do the pan. Just like get in there and scrub. Like that's how you're going to communicate. Like you can buy me jewelry. Yeah, you can buy me diamond rings. You can say all the things you think I want to hear. But I really just want the grease off. The dirty dishes. I'm not speaking from personal experience. This is just how some people are. Uh, others need physical touch. Uh, wise spouses. If you're a wise spouse, you learn the love language of your partner. And you learn the love language of your mate. And that's what makes your mate happy. Married couples. Are you certain? And have you taken time to understand the love language of the other person? And dating couples. This isn't too late. You don't have to wait till you're married. Like, I don't, I'm not going to figure out how to love you till I marry you. Hey, now's the time to figure it out if you're dating someone. So, and so leadership is the same way. Leadership is all about intimate knowledge of the person you're dealing with. A personalized touch. How you shape your communication, your actions, and your approaches in the way that you understand the world. You want to be understandable to the people you're talking to. The people that you're leading. Do you get that? 
<laughs> Hopefully you understand what I'm saying when I say that. You know, and you want, you want them to be able to appreciate, uh, you want to be appreciated by the person you're trying to lead. If you're a community group leader at Pacific City Church, I thank you for your service. Community group leaders, you fall under this category. Are you communicating in ways that the people who lead, follow your leadership can understand? Are you a manager or a teacher? All the people that you're leading, your leadership style should be, should, should be uh, switched or should be uh, like, manip- not manipulated, but kind of like it should be, commun- your, the way you should communicate should be in a way that actually people can understand. You have to do that with the people that you're leading. Otherwise, you're not actually leading them. Jesus relates to me different than he relates to you. He says different things to me than he says to you. I need different things. You need different things. If you want to lead like Jesus, you got to be able to communicate to people the way they can hear things. So that's, uh, will I be respected? Will I be appreciated? Uh, that's, that's one thing. And here's, here's what we read in verse 7. Uh, it says, Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. In ancient Israel, shepherds would often build a sheep pen up against the cliff or a ravine or a canyon. And they would, be, they would put it right on the edge of the cliff. And they would sh- herd those sheep into a pen. And there would only be one way in through the gate door, but they never really put up a gate. So it's just a pen overlooking like, uh, like a cliff. And then they would have a shepherd who would s- either sit or sleep in the gate area, in the entranceway. And he would lie down and he himself would be the gate. He would keep the sheep in by his own body. And he would keep the wolves and the other predators at bay. Now, one of the issues for you in evaluating a leader is to ask yourself, am I safe following this leader? Is this a safe person? Will I be safe? And one of the reasons why Jesus is a great leader is is because of this. You are safe when you follow him. Look at this. Look what it says in verse 8. It says, all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, remember the context of these verses was Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, I told you about the Maccabean Revolt. And there were two groups who fought tooth and nail. There were the accommodationalists. These were the people who said, let's just adopt all the Greek customs. Let's bring in Greek idols into the temple. Let's worship Zeus and mix it together with worshiping our God, Yahweh. And what's so bad about us eating Greek food? I like hummus. I like grape leaves. Not a big deal. Let's wear Greek clothes. Let, you know, let's just go along with it. And then on the other hand, there were the zealots who were violently opposed to the accommodationalists. And these are the folks that were saying, let's kill the accommodationalists. These were your tiki torch people. They're like, let's go get them. And so what do, do you know? Do you know that leaders who are both accommodationalists and leaders who are zealots are both unsafe? Right now in our culture, there is a number of hot button issues in our culture today. From how you think about sexuality to how you spend your money. You can't go on social media for more than two seconds before somebody who's an acquaintance of yours will weigh in on the thing that they are most passionate about and try to get you to do that thing too. They want their hot button issue to be your hot button issue. And if you don't, you're in trouble with them. 
And we've got people in the church <clears throat> that are saying we need to welcome every cultural trend into the church. These are the accommodationalists. They're the go along with people. Hey, let's all be friends. Let's not make any waves. Let's not offend anyone. And then you have the zealots, on the other hand. They come out both guns ablazing, both barrels ablazing. They're marching up and down the street holding signs. They're burning flags. They're, these signs are terribly xenophobic signs. They're raging against the machine, believing that they're actually doing the work of God. And the thing is, is that accommodationalists and zealots, they are both unsafe. They're not going to keep you away from the wolves. Only Jesus who embodies himself both in truth and love, who welcomes sinners into himself from whatever background they're coming from, but he doesn't affirm us in our sins. Only Jesus, who welcomes sinners and then tells them the truth, is safe. Let me just pause and ask you a question. What is your tendency? Are you an accommodator? Easygoing, live and let live, just welcome everything into your life. Or are you a zealot? Are you a purist? Are you a Puritan? And the analogy of shepherd and sheep and the need for a sheep pen, an enclosure, and and a shepherd as the gate, it's so helpful because it communicates to us that apart from being brought into the sheep pen, protected by the shepherd, sheep are vulnerable. You see, in Israel, where this took place, there were a lot of things that could have hurt a sheep. There were ravines. There were just, frankly, holes in the ground. Uh, sheep can fall in a hole, and they will not know how to get out of it. They will be like, ah, I'm in a hole. Uh, and they've got, they've got wolves and lions and uh, robbers, people that want to steal sheep. And um, so there's all other, like, uh, sheep can get stuck in a bush. Uh, it's amazing what can happen in a dangerous area. And, and this tells us that the environment we live in as Christians or Jesus followers, uh, it's really just hostile to the Christian faith. It's hostile to a Christian way of life and Christian integrity. When we look out into the world, not everyone has your best interests in mind. How do you know the difference? How do you know the difference between what is good for you and what is not so good for you? And if you think that you can just wander out there in the world and send your kids out into the world and say, hey, run along and play, Apart from the protection of the good shepherd, apart from a sheep enclosure, what we call the church, if you think that you're going to make any progress as a Christian while you're out from underneath the protection of the Lord and the protection of the church, you are badly being deceived by the enemy. There are wolves that have been let loose in American culture. There's the wolf of individualism. Think about this. Each one of us sees ourselves as a little protected island, disconnected from everybody else. Our choices are, are defended by simply saying, hey, it's my business, what I do with my life, you stay out of my life, it's no one else's business. There's a wolf of individualism. Have you ever encountered this uh, when confronting or being with other Christians? And they say, back off, do not challenge me about my personal life, do not Challenge me about my finances or my patterns of speech. The wolf of individualism. Have you experienced this in American culture? Not only is there a wolf of uh, individualism, there's the wolf of narcissism. The wolf of narcissism. Fewer and fewer people care about how their actions actually impact other people. 
and how they actually impact someone else's life. More and more Christian couples are willing to get a divorce, not on biblical grounds, but just because they're not feeling it anymore. It doesn't matter that they sow into their children the idea, hey, it really doesn't matter if you, I listen to God on this. I can pick and choose. What, what's most important to me is me. If I'm not happy, I don't want to live this way any longer. Uh, this marriage isn't emotionally satisfying to me. I need to be true to my real, true, authentic self. There is the wolf of narcissism. It's all about me. It's all about me. And then there's the issue, the wolf of a totally value-free culture. Anyone with strong convictions who has strong convictions and states those convictions is a threat. And we have so many different interests. Uh, We have so many different interest groups and so many competing perspectives. The only way in America... Uh, that we can get along is for us not to hold any convictions very strongly at all. We don't speak up and we don't challenge. Now I speak to you, leaders and potential leaders in this room. Are you safe? Are you safe with your children? Are you safe with your spouse? If you travel a lot for work, are you safe when it comes to your unaccountable time as you travel and you go different places across the country? What do you do with that unaccountable time? Are you safe with the people you spend time with? Are you safe if you have lots of unaccounted for cash in your pocket? Are you safe? Jesus is telling us that our position in the world is terribly unsafe apart from him as our shepherd. And apart from us, running into the protection of the sheepfold, which is the church. There are simply too many devouring wolves out there who are trying to destroy our integrity. And what do I mean by integrity? Integrity is doing what I say I'm going to do, when I say I'm going to do it, in the manner that it's supposed to be done. We are are in a country where people want to hurt us. And so what we want to do is say, Jesus We acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out. We run to you as our leader. We simply cannot do this Christian thing, this Christian faith thing without real, genuine, accountable relationships with other people. And that's why I regularly invite every single one of you to get involved in something we call the community group. Community groups are our admission that we cannot do this thing called the Christian life alone. We need to regularly bring ourselves under the authority and the protection of the Lord as we wake up in the morning, as we go through our day, and as we go through our evening, and periodically through the week, we have other people who are with us, who are cheering us on, encouraging us, saying, hey, you can do it. Let me pray for you. Hey, I don't know if that's such a good decision. Will you want to talk more about that? That may be painful in the moment, but in the long run, when people are involved in a community group, they make better choices with their life. And you might not feel it from one day to another, but if you're involved in a community group, two, three years down the road, you're like, wow, my life has really changed. And that's because Jesus works through things called community groups. So we ask the question, is this leader safe? Yes, Jesus is safe. Now, here's another question that you should use in evaluating leadership. And it's simply this. Are you interested in my well-being or just yours? Are you interested in my well-being or just yours? We see in John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abusive leaders do kill. 
They do steal. They do destroy. Abusive leaders will steal your money. They will fleece the flock of sheep. Abusive leaders in church will manipulate you with false promises. And they will talk about future wealth in order to give you money today. Uh, hey, give money, get, get, give money today and you'll be rich in the future. That's what they'll say. A, abusive political leaders will literally kill to maintain their power. Abusive teachers, abusive coaches, abusive priests. They will kill and they will destroy a child's innocence. They will kill and destroy dreams. They will kill and destroy potential. Have you ever been around an abusive leader? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been around an abusive leader? Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying, I'm not a thief. And you know, some of you are so afraid of giving your life to Jesus and totally surrendering your life over to Jesus because you are afraid that he will rip you off. How many of you, if you're honest with yourself before God, you would say, you know, I'm afraid of praying. I'm afraid of praying this prayer particularly. I'm at Lord, do whatever it takes to make me a fully devoted follower of you. Lord, just do whatever you want. Do whatever it takes. The reason you're afraid you know, you're, you're, you're afraid to say, God, have at me, have at my relationships, have at my particular relationship with this man or this woman that I've been seeing, have at my career. I open my career up to you. I open, uh, have at my impatience, the impatience I have with others, have at my anger, have at my plans regarding the money that I've earned, how I'm going to decorate my home, have at my ministry, God, what do you want to do? Have at what runs through my mind throughout the day, have at my entertainment, Lord, do whatever it takes to have my whole heart. The reason we are afraid to do that is because we're afraid of being ripped off. We're afraid, you see, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. When Jesus breaks into your life, when he breaks in, it's like knowing your house has been broken into. Uh, uh, and instead, and you come home from uh, wherever you were and you come into the house of your life. It's a metaphor. You come into the house of your life and you say, hey, someone's been here. But instead of things being stolen, Jesus leaves behind gifts. That's the difference. Jesus doesn't take things when he breaks into your life. Jesus gives things uh, in your life. And you go, if you walk into your life, and if you were to invite Jesus into your life in the fullest way, say, God, have at me, you would say, someone's been here. And you walk into the living room, and you look at the, the, the counter on the, in the living room, and say, hey, there's a brand new iPad sitting there. I didn't know that was there before. Oh, that's all really interesting. Wow, I, I need more people to break in like this. Or you say, oh, you go to the garage, you look in the garage, you're like, wow, that's a brand new Tesla Model 3. Wow. Well, oh, the, yeah, the real affordable one for middle class people. I like that. That Elon Musk is doing good things. Yeah, I like that. And then you go down to the, you're like, well, you start running around. You're like, okay, let's go over to the fridge. You open up the fridge. You're like, oh, cool. It's a chocolate cake. Jesus is great. Give us the chocolate cake. All right. And then you go to uh, the closet and you see like, oh, there's a brand new surfboard. And there's this brand new outfit from Lulu because you're going to go do yoga later. And you need the new class. And then you go on the mattress. You go look in your bedroom. There's a brand new mattress. And you're like, wow, is that a sleep number or a Sealy Posturepedic? I don't know. Let's jump on the bed just to be sure. Let's do it. And if you, some of you are afraid 
of turning your life completely over to Jesus Christ because you're afraid that he's going to take and steal your joy, that somehow you're going to be ripped off. He's going to take away the things that really give you joy in life. He's going to take all the fun out of your life. Listen to me. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen to me now. Everything that you have going on in your life that you know is sin is stealing and killing you and ripping you off. Everything. Sin only works for a little while. It, look, it, look, it works long enough to hook you, but Jesus Christ has so much more for you than the sin that you're living in. Those of you who keep, are keeping yourselves from a fully devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, have all of me. I give my life completely over to you. I fully surrender because you're being afraid of being ripped off. You are actually being ripped off in the other direction. The reality is, is that you are keeping yourself from joy and pleasure, the true joy and pleasure that only God can give you. It is in your best interest to surrender your life to Christ. Amen. So he goes on. Jesus keeps going. He's got more things to say. He says in verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Okay. Uh, Then just look down in verse 19 with me. It says, at these words, the Jews were divided. Uh, Many among them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? What makes Jesus a great leader? Well, the, the question you ought to ask of leaders is, have you been willing to pay the price to lead? I trust leaders who have paid a price. Five times in this text, Jesus says that he lays down his life for his sheep. Uh, Leaders who are worth following pay the price to lead. They've given something up. They've traded their careers or their house or their security or their reputation to lead others. Now, if you're pursuing Christian service like I have, if you think uh, this is a way of being successful, watch out. That is dangerous. But if you see someone who isn't getting up the up escalator of life, they're getting on the down escalator of life. Then everyone else is going up. That man, that woman, that may be someone who you might want to follow. And Jesus lived his life on the down escalator. He wasn't always growing into bigger and better things in his time here on earth. He came down and became a real human being. He endured shame that could have been put on him because he was born of a virgin and the whole deal with his parents. He suffered rejection and unjust criticism most of his adult life. All the religious people, all the validators in the society looked at him and they said, you've got a demon living inside you. You are a bad guy. Over and over again in John, they say to him, this guy has a demon. Any leader who is worth following has been the subject of unjust criticism. He or she has been a lightning rod for unfair attacks. Think about our greatest president. Who do you think our greatest president is? (laughs) I dare you to answer. Uh, (laughs) Is he at Polk? No. Hmm. Our greatest American president is Abraham Lincoln. 
and he was just about called every imaginable name by the press. He was called a baboon, a third-rate country lawyer. He uh, who once uh, let me get this right. Who once split rails and now splits the union. He was called a dictator, an ape, a buffoon. The Illinois State Register labeled him as the craftiest, most dishonest politician that had ever graced the office in America. He was slandered. He was libeled. He was hated more intensely than any other president that came before him. Jesus, (laughs) I'm going to transition from Abe to Jesus, but Jesus also got on the down escalator. Jesus also took heat. Jesus also took unfair criticism. And it wasn't simply enough for him to be rejected by his peers. It wasn't enough for him to reject it, be rejected and people call him a weirdo or a liar or demon-possessed. The Bible tells us that he humbled himself all the way down. He took the escalator all the way down, humbled himself even to death, even death on the cross. He paid the price to lead. He paid the price to lead. So why should I? Follow the leadership of Jesus. Why should I do that? Well, in uh, verse 16, it says this. It says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is a great leader because he is inclusive. Every one of you should be asking of the leaders you are considering following. Will I be included? Now, one of the questions people ask is, am I wanted here? Will I be included? The Judaism of Jesus' day was exclusive. The walls were 100 feet thick. There was signs posted at the gates saying, Gentiles, not welcome. But Jesus comes along and he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I want to gather a worldwide community, not just for people who are already with me, Friends, people who consider Pacific City Church their church home, the people who have been with this church since the beginning. We've been around 32 weeks. If you've been with us since the beginning, new people are coming to this little start of a church every week. And one of the questions they are asking is, is there room for me? Will you include me? And if you call this church your church home, do you go out of your way to be friendly and to greet the people who are brand new and the people that have come a few times that are doing Thrive in Five? Do you welcome them into our community? People want to know, will you welcome me? Or is everything locked up because I came too late? Are all the leadership positions taken? Are all the worship Spots taken on the worship team. Is every, does everyone just hangs out in their own little clique or their own little group of friends? I feel like everybody knows everybody except for me. Will you open up your circle when you're in that courtyard or when you're meeting people here? Will you open it up and include me? And people are asking, will you include me even though I'm a different race than you? Will you welcome me into your heart? Not just that we can tolerate each other as we sit next to each other for like an hour or so, but will you welcome me into your heart and into a real friendship outside of this and if, into your church? Are you going to welcome me if I'm African-American? Are you going to welcome me if I'm Asian? Are you going to welcome me if I'm Hispanic, Latino? Are you going to welcome me if I'm different? Do you want me here? 
And these verses communicate the heart of Jesus. It communicates a worldwide mission. I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them to them also. Great leaders have a huge heart for inclusion. And they have a great heart for diversity. Just as a praise report, if you don't know what a praise report is, I'm not sure it is either. It's just vernacular we use in Christian world. Anyway, just so you know, <laughs> praise report, what does that mean? I don't know. And, and, and also in Christian circles, when you're talking in groups and someone says something that you like and you want to go next, you go, I'm going to piggyback on that. Has anyone ever heard that phrase before? <laughs> like, and, okay, it's super weird. I'm so glad I'm the first one to bring it up to half of you. Um, just a little kind of praise report. We kind of re- uh, regularly do surveys to kind of figure out who's coming. Uh, and kind of like get a feel for it. And I've got to tell you a couple of statistics that we discovered in our first year so far. One of those statistics is about 21% of the people who show up on any given Sunday morning are not in a relationship with Jesus, but they are exploring what they think about God. That is amazing that people would be willing to trust, your friends would be willing to trust you to come here and explore maybe what God wants to do in their life, and they learn from us, and we learn from them. That is amazing. And the second wonderful statistic that we discovered since we started this church is that we are 30% multicultural, multi-ethnic. That we are ahead of the curve when it comes to Santa Monica, and we are becoming very quickly a diverse church. Not everybody looks like me. And when we think about what God's doing in his kingdom and what the future will be, it's not going to look like this. It's going to look like this. It's going to be lots of different people coming together. And what we want to do in this church is we move forward. We want to include people that look like you and people that don't look like you. We want to welcome them in. Why? Because that's what Jesus does with us. Amen? Amen. All right. Cool. Uh, So lastly, this. Well, uh, I just talked about will I be included. Last thing is... Will, what will my future be like? Great leaders provide great futures for the people that follow them. Look at what we read in John 10. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. One, no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Whenever people sign up for a job and they're like, hey, I'm going to work for a company or an organization or I'm going to work for a nonprofit or they sign up to get involved with a brand new church in Santa Monica. One of the things they ask is, what's my future in this job? What is the track going to be like? What's the career track like? Am I going to be hired and then laid off in three months? Are you going to use me up for everything that I have and then discard me when someone better comes along that can do it a little bit better? What is my future like? And so do you hear what Jesus is saying in these verses? He says, Christian, if you truly are a Christian, if the life of God has entered into your soul, if the miracle of regeneration has really happened to you, if you're not just a professor of religion, but you are a possessor of Christ, if you really have been born again by the Spirit of God, then you have a glorious future. Not because you are holding on to Jesus with your weak grip, but because Christ is holding on to you with a grip of steel. Amen? Not because you are weak and you're just kind of, oh, God, I'm holding on. No, you are following a Jesus that has a steel grip 
a hold of you that will never let you go. And you will need no more assurance than that, that you are truly born again. That The fear uh, that Jesus is too weak to you, you need to get rid of that. Listen to this. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one, one, not just in purpose. Not one, not just in will, but one in substance, one in essence, one in being. Here is your position in the hands of Jesus. Here is your hand in your father. Nothing can come between you and Jesus Christ. Nothing can come between you. Let me ask you a few closing questions. Is Jesus your leader or are you being led by thieves and robbers? What are you being led by? Are you being led by popular opinion? Hey, whatever everyone else is doing, that's what I'm going to do. Let's just do it. Or are you being led by your own lusts or your own neediness? Who are you being led by? Who leads you? Are you being led by, the, by media? Are you being led by the latest marketing technique to get you to buy whatever they want you to buy? Friend, what would it be like for you to be led by Jesus? Have you considered what would it be like to lead uh, or be fully led by Jesus Christ? To say, Jesus, have all of me, including the undisciplined areas of my life. Now, maybe this message doesn't apply to you and it just applies to me. But, there are, but I believe this. There are areas in your life that aren't working. And Jesus has a plan and a vision to lead you into better things in those areas of your life. And so if you're willing to be honest with yourself about those undisciplined areas, I want you to ask the question, what would it be like for Jesus to lead me in the undisciplined areas of my life? Let me tell you what it would be like. We would be respected by Jesus. We would be appreciated by Jesus. We would be safe with Jesus. And we will have be in aligning our lives with somebody who is completely for us and interested in our well-being. We will be following the leadership of a person who has paid the price to lead us. We will be included in his worldwide family. Our future will be brighter than we can imagine. And when it, we experience this kind of leadership from God in our lives, we are perfectly positioned to become like him. To become leaders who are worth following because we have learned from our experience from Jesus that he is great and he can, he can lead us and we can be like him. The leadership of Jesus should be a vision for your future leadership. And over the coming weeks... I'm going to be diving into different aspects of leadership as it's seen in the Bible uh, and how it inspires us to become leaders worth coming. I hope you will join us as we journey together to become leaders who are worth following. Next week, we get the great privilege of hearing from the person that leads me the most, uh, Nikki Meekins. She's going to be preaching next week. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, about that, you know, and I just love, you know, we just have like, she's just a great leader. And so I can't wait to be taught by her. Uh, that's all I had to share with you today. Will you join me and let's pray and let's worship together. Will you stand please?